Welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony Lapanta coming to you for a change for a long time. It's been a minute uh, from Elsie's in uh, Northeast Minneapolis on this beautiful uh, Wednesday or Thursday. What day is today? Thursday? Uh, Thursday uh, evening. Thanks to all for coming out. It's great to see everybody here. We got a bunch of cool announcements. Um, one, our next live show is June 30th, uh, the day that I get back from the NHL draft. We're going to be doing that up at Split Rocks, so uh, hopefully everybody comes on out. It's a room very much like this, uh, very comfortable. You can order dinner and, and all that stuff. So June 30th, we'll be digesting all the moves that happen at the NHL draft, uh, both draft picks and trade-wise, Anthony. And then uh, a really cool thing, I can't give away exactly who the guests are yet because we haven't ironed that down, but at July 6th, the day before we go to, uh, to uh, Sicily, um, July 6th, back here at Elsie's. And uh, everybody knows the Wild are having the crazy game of hockey uh, charity uh, events that are going to be going on on the 7th and 8th. OAR and Corey Wong are playing down at the Armory. They have stuff down at uh, Pantages Theater down yeah. in, um, in uh, St. Paul. Then they have the charity no, hockey. Pantages in Minneapolis. Oh, okay. Uh, which, it's one of the P's. We'll, we'll have to... We'll have to edit this out, Brandon. One of those theaters down in uh, in uh, in St. Paul, they're going to be doing um, a VIP event, a bunch of concerts, uh, um, uh, stand-up comedy, all that, and then uh, that as well uh, having the charity game, which a ton of celebrities. But July 6th, down here at Elsie's at 7 p.m., we're going to have a bunch of uh, uh, surprise guests, celebrities, potential hockey players, uh, people from that event, and Joe Smith and I will... Uh, co-host that were seats in the house, um, and Anthony's got the week off. I have the night off. Though. The night off. Yeah. Well, the week too. The week. Are you warm enough? It's like I know. I came. Degrees I, outside. I, I came from. A, I came from a, from a hockey rink just now, and uh, and uh, all of a sudden was dealing with a couple things, and then uh, then I just popped in here because I thought I was late, but you walked in a minute uh, before the show. A minute before the show on time. <laughs> you know, the I think the crazy game of hockey thing is going to be fun. They're yeah. really doing a great job with getting the wild alums involved with mm -hmm. it and a few other celebrities and it, it should be really a couple of nights in a row of, of worthwhile entertainment yeah. for hockey fans. We'll, we'll uh, promote the heck out of uh, whatever guests that we're having. I know one guest that uh, we believe is going to be coming down here is Eric Stolhansky, the actor from Super Troopers, Beer Fest, uh, Quasi. Uh, he'll be down here as well, but we're, we're hoping for some really uh, other, uh, some cool guests, not just uh, actor, not just uh, an actor like uh, Eric, but uh some athletes, not necessarily just hockey, and uh, we will have uh, hopefully uh, the lead singer from one of my favorite bands coming down here as well. So we'll we'll uh, we'll promote that when we all uh, get it set up. Um, but right now the NHL draft is coming up uh, next week. I leave Monday. The draft is uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Um, obviously, the Wild have picked 21st in the draft. They have two second round picks, no third, no fourth. They have a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh. Currently, that could have very well change. Um, you know, I know we all would love them to go draft a center and, and all that stuff. There are three or four in that vicinity that we've mock draft the heck out of at the athletic that I think that, uh, you know, uh, would excite wild fans, uh, but we'll see uh, what happens there. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. The Judd Brackett talking last week about just their philosophy and, and their, the tools they use, the measuring, apparatuses to try to figure out exactly, number one, what those picks are worth, but also how they and what they place their value on most when evaluating players, whether their size, strength, but also makeup and, and psychological profile, so to speak. So as you're trying to predict what an 18-year-old kid is going to look like when he's 25, and that's a lot of variables in there. So that was interesting. I'd be really surprised if, there were, if we didn't see a, a number of trades throughout this draft, not just from the wild, with teams oh, man. moving up or down. I just have a feeling this is going to be one of those drafts where because of how deep the first round is perceived to be, I think you'll see a lot of movement early trade-wise. I, I totally agree. I mean, uh, and huge names potentially. I mean, DeBrinket, it seems like nobody wants to go back to Calgary. It's shocking. So, I mean, just in Winnipeg alone, you have Dubois that's going to get moved, Wheeler that could be bought out or moved. Shifley that could potentially be moved. Connor Hellebuck would uh, welcome a sign and trade probably to Jersey. Um, and then uh, Calgary, it's just been a laundry list of uh, Noah Hannafin and Lynn Holm and uh, Toffoli and Michael Backlund all saying that they are not going to resign there. And that stuff is confirmed. I'm working on a trade board tomorrow. Uh, here in Minnesota, it's not as sexy. 
Uh, but there's, I, I think there's going to be some movements. I, 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 I find it right now, currently as we sit, that it's highly unlikely that Marco Rosa gets traded. Um, but chance of Kalen Addison. Um, you know, the one that I'm wondering about is Brandon Duhan because just the fact that they are in a holding pattern right now trying to get the Philip Gustafson deal signed, that's probably going past the draft. At least it sounds that way right now unless there's movement in the next, uh, you know, three or four days. Um, but if Brandon Duham is not signed on the dotted line, uh, you just wonder at some point if they move him. John Merrill's somebody that I'm sure that they'd be willing to move. Um, I, as far as other bigger names, I'm not positive that anything huge is going to happen. Yeah, I, w- I don't think you'll see the Wild make a major deal, but I think I'd be surprised if there weren't. I'd, I'd bet if you looked at the picks they have right now, how many of those picks do you think they'll actually make? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the two seconds Just are always interesting. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I mean... You got two I, seconds yeah. and fifth, sixth, seventh. The first, I think, is... Yeah. I'd say it's likely they end up picking in that spot. But out of those other five, I'm, I'd say if they make a pick at that number, more than one out of the five, I'll be surprised. Yeah, like, could they move the two seconds to either move up in the second or, or trade into a late first-round pick? Who knows? Didn't help that Vegas won the cup. Uh, so now that second-round pick that they got for Jordan Greenway is now the 64th pick. Uh, which, you know, years ago, that was basically a third-round pick. So um, that, that But, uh, you know, my guess is that they always maneuver at the draft. A lot of it really depends on what happens at the draft floor and, and what players that they absolutely love on their list that may might potentially still be there. It's always the case. Yeah, absolutely. A lot happening around the league since our last show. Yes, uh, definitely. Um, just real back on this one, like, Kalen Addison's still the one that, like, you know, like, what's your thoughts on that? Like, like Kalen is the one that, it's like, I get that they want to move him, but the other part of me is, like, you know, and I know that you and I had this debate once on this podcast, and they obviously felt like they could take him off the number one power play and put him in the press box, but even though it coincided with injuries and things like that, their power play did take a turn for the worse once he was not on it. So I know that you need, you know, there's a bigger portion of the game that he needs to be much, 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 much better in. But trading him now just seems to be a risk. Yeah, I, I think he's got more value though to somebody else than he has to the Wild. So I, I would be, they're not giving him away, but I just don't see him really as a long-term fit here. And I, yeah. I don't think the way their defensive core is built. They can afford to have a power play specialist on their third pair. That's the size of Kalen Addison. No, yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. So let's get Not to this. Not that he couldn't be that yeah. guy for somebody else. I just mm-hmm. don't think it fits for Minnesota. Yeah, I, I get you. All right, so uh, since we last talked, there has been a cup presented. That was the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, actually, we did talk since when, did we? Nope. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, we did that from the uh, road uh, in the middle of the series. But Vegas uh, wins the cup. They did it with one draft pick in their lineup, uh, Nick Haig. The rest acquisitions uh, or uh, six expansion draft pickups. Um, I don't know about you, but I was surprised how good they became this year because if you look at all their their metrics, at least in the season, they they were pretty average in power play, penalty kill, uh, goals for, things like that. But yet they you look at that team and the fact that Aiden Hill came out of nowhere to save their season is is massive. But their blue line's incredible. They're, they're top best four. Best decor yeah. in the league. Yep, best decor. Um, and they're, you know, from a depth perspective, their third and fourth lines are as good as it gets. Yeah, and, and those metrics, they were at the top of the league most of the year because there were a lot of times we were looking at Minnesota's numbers defensively in terms of limiting chances. And all, no matter what search you would do, the Wild might be in the top three or four. Vegas was always one of the other teams in those spots. And when they got healthy at the end, when all of a sudden you have Stone and Eichel playing together, which they didn't have much last year, they didn't have much this year, now you've also got some punch on your top lines, not just depth. So I think their team was, I think they were really well constructed. They were able to withstand major injuries and Mm -hmm. upheaval at the goaltending position. And they were the best team. They were they were the best team for the four weeks, six weeks of the playoffs, and they deserved to win. I give Kelly McCrimmon a lot of credit. I mean, I th- as you said, it's a well constructed team. And the other thing they do in Vegas is they make they make really really bold decisions. They like, do. You know, but just the firing. Say, you mentioned the expansion picks, mm-hmm. and they had them. And there, there's they took advantage of of a lot of teams. And you look at those guys that were a part of that, and but they were. They've been able to turn over some of those other assets that they got in the expansion draft. The guys they got from Minnesota are certainly in that mix. 
they were able to turn those over for extra draft capital. That allowed yeah. them to go be aggressive. Remember how many picks they had where when they were able to make the deals to be aggressive and go after the, the Mark Stone, they were able to give away three picks in that draft because they had extras yeah. that they were able well, to Well, they're also willing to trade prospects. I mean, Suzuki, Krebs, right. uh, you know, uh, Cody you Glass. But do that so. when you know you've got yeah. a, a stockpile of picks. So I think this is still a little bit of the carryover from their expansion draft, and now we'll see if they're able to maintain it because that's the bigger challenge. Not to belittle what they've done. Mm-hmm. I think what they did was amazing. And, but they were aggressive. They yeah. went out and got Jack Eichel when most teams were staying away. You know what Joe Smith uh, reported the other day, uh, because he did a really cool feature on Aiden Hill, is that the day after Aiden Hill got, got hurt in March, he turned down a contract. And, then, and nobody knew that. And then now, look at him as a, you know, as a potential free agent. I mean, he is going to make uh, some dough this summer. And it's going to be interesting how they navigate that. Same thing with Barbashev. Uh, but, but what they do is they do make bold decisions there. You know, they need a number one setter. They go get it, Jack Eichel. They need a number one D. They go get Alex Petrangelo. They need to fire a coach, even though a lot of people are like, why are you getting rid of DeBoer? Why are you getting rid of Gallant? They go out and get Bruce Cassidy. And, and Boston bows out in round one, and they go and win a cup. I mean, it, it just seems like right now whatever Kelly McCrimmon touches and George McPhee touches, it just turns out to be – um, the right move. Think about their coaching turnover. When you look at the success they've had, they've been to the finals twice in mm-hmm. six years, and they've had three coaches. Yeah. And they've won 11 playoff series, 12, 11, 12. It's, it's, it is crazy. But, yeah, three coaches, which is why, I mean, Bruce Cassidy, I'm sure he's not, you know, I'm sure he's not buying himself a, you know, $5 million home there because <laughs> you just never know what's going to happen, right? Uh, they, they make the moves when they want to, and uh, I think Kelly's done a great, great job there. Um, Florida's an interesting one, too. No, like they're, they're out of draft picks, best, basically. Um, they've got half their team having major injuries, so really to start next season I think it's going to be tough, uh, you know, between a lot of these guys. I mean, uh, you know, uh, it's just going to be really fascinating to see in a very tough conference if they can sustain things. Yeah, I'd say that's less likely. Mm-hmm. They seem like an overachieving team to me. Yeah, I mean, they barely we'll made the playoffs. See, yeah. right. Even uh, Paul Maurice throughout the series, I mean, he was trying to do the uh, the old, you know, David and Goliath thing, but he basically said that they were out of their weight class, you know, uh, throughout the playoffs. Remember, it was not that far before the end of the regular season when mm-hmm. Keith Kachuk called out their team, basically. Yes, and, called them soft. And then Maurice was losing his mind <laughs> on the bench shortly thereafter, yeah. and and you, at that point, they certainly didn't look like a team that was destined to be in the playoffs if they were even in them more than a round. Yeah. Uh, so I'll just – I've, I've written the quote, so I think I could, I, could, I could go with it. But, you know, I, have, I, I know Keith for a long time, so I texted him seeing if I could do a story on this in the playoffs and in the Eastern final. He goes, hey, Mike, uh, Brady and, and family went back to St. Louis. Unfortunately, Matthew has put me on timeout with doing social media since I called his team soft. So I need to respect his wishes. I feel like I'm a teenager getting punished by my parents, LOL. So then after he had, like, you know, he scores the last second goal, I texted him again. I said, hey, uh, any chance he's going to let you out of the jail now? And he goes, nope, still cutting me off. So, uh, so yeah, Keith got in trouble for the soft comments, and, uh, and, uh, but I know it was a huge topic on that team. Um, also, that was one of my favorite points of the whole playoffs yeah. was Matthew's two celebrations when he won in overtime and just went straight out yeah. the exit door. Those were two yeah. of my favorite uh, goal celebrations in during this year's playoffs. I'll tell you, the one thing, you know, it's funny, when you cover other teams and you're in the room as much as I was talking to these players, you, you gain a new appreciation of certain guys. And Matthew Kachuk is the one guy in the series that when you watch him from afar on, t- on TV, watch the way he plays, he's a you-know-what disturber, all that stuff, you just think that he must be just an absolute jackass in the locker room. That guy is is so good with the media. And even in the, on the most tense questions, we'll sit there and totally give you a, a, a cool answer, not get fed up, not get uptight, nothing. Even the fact that, that, I mean, he breaks his freaking sternum, and that night he came out and talked to the media um, and couldn't have been clearer that he was seriously hurt. He could barely move anything. Um, but he comes out, like, if there was ever a time that you're going to say, uh, sorry, he's unavailable because of treatment, that would be the time. And he comes out and meets with the media. Yeah, I was impressed by him the whole playoffs. And I think we talked about this a couple shows back where he he was on the TNT NBA show and I loved his yeah. answer when he was asked about the impact that his dad had had on 
he and his brother, but he said he just told me to play as hard as I could on every shift, to work as hard as I could off the ice to get ready, and then treat everybody well around me. Yeah, and that to me was said everything about him as a player. Yeah, I think that's uh, the way that Keith Kachuk raised him. His first act when he got to Florida was take all the trainers out to dinner. Um, before we move on to other news around the league and more talk about the Wild, and again, you're welcome to come up and ask questions uh, during the podcast. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about the parade. The parade was a blast. I mean, to watch. I, mean, I don't know if you saw all the speeches. William Carlson fall down the stairs and get up and give I like saw the part classic of his yeah. speech. Um, you know, I had Nick Hague on on Did my podcast. See, who was it that? Who was the woman who was trying to take the mic from him to tell him? So it was that done? is apparently a community relations person that was trying to save him from himself. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, it was like, like at first people were like, that's got to be his wife or something, and, and yep. like, no, she worked for the organization, was trying to like do him a solid and keep him from saying something stupid or embarrassing the organization, but he would not relinquish that mic. I thought it was hilarious. Um, but Eichel roaming the streets until all hours of the night. Marsha So, the same thing. But Nick Hague went viral, and I had him on my podcast the other day. You're on, you're on my Be Real right now. Why? I don't want to be on your Be Real. What is Be Real? Be Real. This is a, it's a social media app, Michael. I'll explain these social media yeah. things to you a little bit Remember later. Remember when you weren't going to do any social media back in the day? Now you take more selfies than like a teenage girl. This is, I'm on, you guys familiar with Be Real? Yeah, are you on it right now? Yeah. So you, everybody who's on it gets a notification one oh time God. a day. Brian, you, Brian, are you on Be Real? Brian, we'll talk about it in Sicily. You'll be on it in no time. <laughs> You'll probably be friends with my family, but it's um, I'm only connected to my family, so they're the only ones who see it. But okay. it's you have a, it's actually kind of a cool app. So it's called it's Be Real, like it's real. You're not just uh -huh. picking your best moment of the day. I got it. Randomly, so you guys, are the only ones that are on this. So there's, at one random moment every day, everybody that's on Be Real gets a notification. You have two minutes then to take a picture, and it simultaneously takes a selfie and a, your outside camera. Oh, okay. So it shows, like, wh who you, where you are, who you're with, and who's around you. That sounds absolutely awful. And then only the people that you're... So I'm friends with... What if you're sleeping? What if you're driving? What if you're flying? Like, you get two minutes and... Well, and you can post it late, but it shows up that it was late. And you can't uh -huh. see anybody else's posts until you post yours. I got it. But you. you're only... The only people that you see are your... Whoever you're connected with. So I got you. I'm connected with my six family members and maybe one of their friends or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, the chances of me joining that is absolutely zero. And that one I could promise you. I remember when Suhan used to host the show. Remember, he wouldn't join. He's like, I'm not going to do Twitter. Why am I on it again? I thought you already did your B-roll for the day. it didn't post, so yeah. we're going to try it again. So, um, <laughs> sounds like a go. great app. No, the last I, thing I need is another social media app. No, so see, agree? I'll show you. I'm so already, see, I can see that Margo's sitting on a couch reading a book with a dog curled up on a blanket, and none of my kids have posted. So, Oh, there's your mom. And my mom. I'm connected to my mom. Wow. Nice view. Yep. Um, so... Well, that's cool. Be real. Oh, now yeah. bonus be real. You can share yeah. two be reels a day if you post yeah. on time. So there you go. By the way, if there's any chance that be real will sponsor this podcast, take off all, take hey, out all the mean things sponsors, I just said about them. So I was at Kowalski's last night and mm -hmm. ran into Jerry Bosch in the parking lot. Oh, no way. Yeah. That's so funny. And uh, about two weeks ago, I ran into Chris Lindahl at the same Kowalski. Uh, so that's it was hilarious. A, a, I don't know how many sponsors we have left. I haven't bumped into <laughs> in the grocery store parking lot. That's hysterical. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you run into Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut Water Transit? Would that just the, be uh, like a big water jug yeah. rolling through yeah. the parking lot? Yeah. I didn't mention, by the way, we're in the Aquarius Home Services studio. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah, apparently yeah. it's chilly because you got to dress yeah, for the I know. weather. <laughs> I was at a hockey rink that was super cold. So I stopped um, at uh, Billy Rob's going away oh, nice. this afternoon, to, which was kind of cool to see the, a lot of the old, old, wild people that were around during the Very early cool. years. And, and Billy was such a big part of the formation of the wild. So I stopped by there for a while at Mancini's on my way over here and had a chance to catch up with a few of them, catch up with Billy a little bit. I wonder if he's got the old Billy Rob's Cafe like thing that they used to have in the in the press dining room. He's one of the few guys who ever opened like a cafe or restaurant in the arena, in the arena and named it after himself. Yeah. And it, uh, yeah, I don't know if he named it after himself, but it used to be like this neon sign that said yeah, Billy Rob's Billy cafe, cafe in the press room, and, and then it just disappeared. El who do you it? think named it? Yeah, I assume it was him. You don't think it was Sickman? No. <laughs> I want to tell everybody about Aquarius Home Services and. I've been telling you about them for years here on the show on Connecticut water, uh, Connecticut water uh, systems. 
are designed to tackle the toughest well water out there, and Minnesota can have some pretty nasty well water. Eliminate orange rust staining, get rid of any white scale buildup and bad odor, smell from your water, and get that great tasting drinking water right from your sink. You will see, feel, and taste the difference that the non-electric Connecticut water treatment system and drinking water system make in your home or cabin. And everybody's going up to their cabins these days, except for me. I need to get one. Uh, my friends over at Aquarius Home Services Connecticut offer a free water analysis. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. Just give them a ring and they'll come out and do their your free water analysis today. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention Russo sent you. Anthony, tell us about Moe's. Well, Moe's, as we talk throughout the hockey season, a great place to go while you're there for a hockey game. at Right at Fogarty Arena, the Ice House there is a terrific spot to watch hockey, but it's also a great place to watch hockey on TV by heading into Moe's. But you can go there during the summertime, too. It's a great place to watch a ball game. If you're out at a Little League park or a softball park when your game is over, stop into Moe's for a great dinner on the way home. Terrific sandwiches. Uh, solid pizza menu as well. You won't be disappointed. It's a great spot, conveniently located in Blaine, right off of Highway 65 at Fogarty Arena. It's Moe's. It's a great place to go on a summer night to watch a ball game. Open a 5.25% annual percentage yield 15-month certificate from Royal Credit Union. Open now at rcu.org slash certificate 525. Early withdrawal penalties could reduce earnings and principal. APY accurate as of 6523. Insured by NCUA. So uh, what were we talking about? The, oh, the, just, uh, I don't know. Like, they, they put on this. The one thing, like, I know that I, I, I like, drool over Vegas all the time and, and just, like, marvel over their whole game ops and all that stuff. It's usually but, just because you've had too much vodka. That's true. Um, it was not a healthy trip. But, uh, or trips. Uh, but, you know, the, like, the, like, that parade was one of a kind. Like, I don't think you can replicate that anywhere. With drones, like like the Stanley Cup and drones like that. I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. And it just goes back to me, like all the like little snickers when the NHL said that they were going yeah. to Vegas and people like, well, how's it going to work in this city just full of like cocktail waitresses and casino croupiers and, and tourists? Yeah, it just, and, and you look at this now and those are not just tourists there. Those aren't tourists going to the games. Those are season ticket holders. They're are passionate Vegas Golden Knight fans. Now. Yeah, they have a bigger fan base than I thought they'd have. I, I, I thought it would work there, but I thought it was the, the skepticism I had was how can it work if, even if it's 33% of your building every night relies on who the opposing team is. And mm -hmm. we've seen it be 50% minimum when the Wild have been there, if not more. And But I was out there for a Philadelphia game, and there I would be shocked if 4% of the rink were Philadelphia fans, and yet the arena was jammed and had a great atmosphere. But now you look at them, I and the Raiders are there. It sounds like the Athletics might be heading there, and every major pro sports league now wants to get in there because yeah. of what they've achieved. It's funny because the one thing that was brilliant about Vegas going there is their, is their slogan at the time was Vegas Born. And I think it really took the community and, and brought them in as like, this is ours. The Raiders are the Raiders. I wonder how the athletics are going to be uh, treated. I mean, they're like this just god-awful, cast-off team. I know they've been around forever, but they're just like, it's yeah, like you just, been, and now you're going to plop them in the city. for a long time. But you're going just... to plop them in the city and just, first of all, they're having trouble already getting the ballpark unless something's changed since I was there and the vote went down. Uh, was, was Well, they were talking about a ridiculously small ballpark. Yeah, it yeah. It's like 30,000 fans, I think, yeah. if I remember the plan right. And who knows what's going to happen with it. I'm just The point just simply being that it works for the Raiders. They've been well-received there, and I guess the Raiders seem to fit in Vegas. But the Major League Baseball looks like they're trying to get there. I'd be shocked if the NBA was far behind. Yeah. Um, the, the Raiders, though, I mean, it, to me, that's much easier to just sell. One, because it's the Raiders. And, and I think a lot of also Vegas fans kind of grew up as, like, traditionally as Raider fans. Um, but also tourists, you know, you're asking them to come to eight, ten games a year, ten if you know, if the, with the exhibition. Um, where again, like most Vegas fans, the way I understand it, are, grew up as Dodger fans for generations, and it's just, it's just gonna be fascinating to see if how it works. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll fi they'll figure it out. Maybe that's why it was gonna be such a small ball ballpark. Um, so parade was awesome. Uh, let's go back to the Wild a little bit. Uh, they're closing in on assistant coach. Uh, it's very close. I'm hearing. I, I don't. Now, the only thing I've been able to do is mostly eliminate the people that I thought had it shot. So 
I don't think it's John Torchetti. I don't think it's Mike Van Ryn. I don't think it's Todd Nelson, who just won the, uh, the, the Calder Cup yesterday. I don't think it's Dan Balsma, who's the Calder Cup runner-up uh, for Coachella Valley. Um, I don't think it's John Hines, even though I, I would bet my bottom dollar that that's who Bill Guerin wanted. But I think that John Hines probably looks at it, even though he didn't get the Ranger job, as being like, you know what, I'm getting paid. Why go be an associate coach and lock myself in there and only be there potentially for one year? And maybe he could be first or second out of the bullpen next year when inevitably a coach gets fired. Um, so that would make sense. So the question is, who is it? I, you know, I just don't know. I, I, you know, Blaine Forsyth is somebody that, that uh, you know, uh, worked with Dean Evison in Washington for a long time. I understand they're tight. Um, so he's somebody I don't know much about. Mitch Love is a name out there. Kirk Muller, somebody I covered in Florida uh, that's had a, you know, a really good coaching career. Uh, but it, it's close. Uh, is the way I understand it. And they need to. Yeah. you, you got to start to get that stuff locked in and organized. I, I think there's probably still a little bit of the everybody else getting organized, too, with mm-hmm. how many coaching changes there were. I don't know off the top of my head like how many staff positions those guys are going to be able to fill themselves or inherit assistant coaching staffs from where they were before. But I think the two that have been kind of interesting to watch is what's happening in Calgary and Toronto yes. during this offseason. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, Brad Tree Living goes to Toronto. Well, first of all, Kyle, du- they, Kyle Dubas goes down to Pittsburgh after saying that, you know, he was not going to be anywhere. But obviously, things very much changed when he wanted to come back to Toronto. And Brendan Shannon said, sorry, shouldn't have asked for that extra raise. And he, he went down to Pittsburgh. He's getting like $7 million or something, a long-term deal. And, and He's the president. They say he's going to hire a GM. I just wonder how traditional that GM is going to be. I still think this is going to be Kyle Dubas running that organization. Then uh, Brad Tree Living leaves Calgary on his own volition, goes to Toronto, and uh, and has gone with Shane Doan, smartly hired Shane Doan, who's very close with Austin Matthews, that goes down to Arizona, meets with Austin Matthews. Now it sounds like Austin's all in and is going to re-sign there at, at big-time money. And then you just wonder if they're going to even move any of the core. You know, Sheldon Keefe's changing. The only one I could see is maybe Nylander. Yeah, he's been rumored for a while. Yes. To be the guy moving, but... The Wild almost yeah, acquired him once. Right, that's right. Um, and then Calgary, just everyone wants out. It's crazy. And this is not because Daryl Sutter's there anymore. Before it was painted that Daryl Sutter, that everybody had asked to be traded because of Daryl Sutter. Now it seems everybody asked to be traded because it's Calgary. Um, and you know me, I love that building. I like the building. Yeah, I do too. I love, I just, I love the. But city. if you're a player though, and you're playing in Calgary, you're losing 55 percent of your salary probably because of taxes and escrow and and all the stuff that comes with playing in Canada, um, and you're playing in in what they probably see as a dump compared to everybody else. I, I think there's just uh, there's a reason why. Like somebody on my mailbag asked me, you know, is is Minnesota no longer a? And I might be changing the way that the question was answered, no longer a preferred destination for players and things like that because of all these warm weather cities being so good. And it's not the warm weather part of it. It's the taxes part of it. People want to play in Florida. They want to play in Tampa. They want to play in Dallas. They want to play in Seattle. They want to play in Vegas. Why? Because there's no state income tax. We all know living in Minnesota, taxes here are high. Um, in Canada, you lose a ton of money um, as a player. Not you know These, these guys lose... 11 to 12, 15% of their salaries just in escrow a year before they even dig into the taxes. I know that nobody's crying for these guys, but there is a reason why players on their no trade clauses list Canadian cities. Right. I've always wondered why they didn't account for that in the salary cap. Yeah. I don't know how it'd be hard because they, it's like they, they, take in money in Canadian, but they pay out in American, and the Canadian dollar very rarely... Yeah, but don't they have a deal, too, where those guys, their taxes are all prorated by the number of games they play in cities? Well, no, you get your... Your taxes are out. The You lose more money by going to the job tax you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, because... But when you fill out, like, a a state income tax form, I thought... I had a player tell me that they had to file taxes in multiple states because well yeah because of the jock tax like there was a great story once i wish i could remember it i think it was an alan walsh client that his client got called up to nashville and lost money on the deal because his he played in nashville but he was called up from another team between like say his daily salary which let's just say it was three grand the money he paid on taxes federal state in his own state but then the money he had to play to nashville to play in tennessee or something it was like he essentially lost money on the deal by being called up. 
Like there are just certain, you know, uh, you know. It sounds like my career choice. I my I was working for the St. Saint Paul Saints. Got offered the Twins radio job and took the job because it was Major League Baseball and got a pay cut. <laughs> hey, you always hear those things. I remember. So all right, now we're gonna go over back really back in the day when I was a teenager. I'm working at the Sun Sentinel. And I was, I was charging by the article, but I was writing freaking 300 articles a year. So as a like teenager, I was making like freaking like 45 grand, let's say. And all of a sudden in, in 97 or whatever it was, Fred Turner, the uh, sports editor of the uh, paper calls me in the office and he offers me the Panthers beat. And he's like, all right, uh, you know, uh, how old are you? And I'm like, uh, 21. He's like, uh, you know, how much experience do you have? I'm like, well, kind of none. He's like, his fingers are like just going down as he's saying this. And, um, and then the last thing he's like, how much college education has? Well, I really haven't graduated yet. He's like down some further. And he's like, all right, how about 38.9? And I walked out of the office. I'm like, I just took a freaking $8,000 pay cut to become a full-time Panthers beat writer. So it's just, uh, I, I'll never forget that. That was 100% my first salary at the Sun Sentinel after working there for seven years. 38.9 was my first salary. You were rich. Yeah. My first salary was $19,000. Well, just imagine some from 15 to 21-ish, other than my like cup of coffee at University of Florida, I was living at home, making, you know, like, even at like 16, 17, I was like making 25 grand working at the Sun Sentinel, paying no rent, you know, parents paid for it. Like, it was just, it was, it was just, it's funny when you think about back then. I remember actually I, I filed taxes once and I think I, I, I got something from the IRS checking to make sure that this was, should be accurate. That like, how the heck are you 16 years old pulling in this type of money? So anyway, um, well, that was weird. All right. Who wants to ask a question? Otherwise we're going to just keep on just talking aimlessly up here, which uh, is going well. I can't believe you're on Be Real. That's yeah. insane to me. It's, I'll show it to you in a little while. Uh, yeah. We'll have it all figured out. I will join if, if Brian Dahl will join. How about that? Well, to be friends on Be Real. On Be Real? Well, yeah, do it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk we about can it talk later. about it later. My, my, uh, my kids were the ones who pushed me into it, but it is kind of a cool way to see what they're doing every day. Yeah. For one moment. I will, I, you guys should become friends right now. <laughs> Yeah. I'll see how good his question is. Yeah. Yeah. I, so you know what you're going to see is Anthony watching TV, Anthony doing a crossword puzzle, Anthony feeding Phil, Anthony Actually, uh, no, playing golf. Yeah, most of mine are at golf courses or hockey rinks. Mm. Uh, so I guess we, so you guys talked about it a little bit last time and just touched on it now, like the old salary cap and kind of the quote-unquote circumvention. Um, and I've been kind of spitballing some ideas of like, what do you do about that? And my thought is you either have to I'll let everybody do it or stop everybody from doing it. <laughs> yep. So my two thoughts are, and I'm curious your thoughts on these, are some, the, this one's probably, probably never going to happen, so putting that aside right now. At the trade deadline, if you have a player on LTIR, you have to say, we want this player to be eligible for the playoffs. And if you decide that, then a portion of that player's salary somehow is applied to your books for the rest of the season, which then would eliminate oh, we've got this guy's stash, we're just going to keep him and put on a bunch of players. You still have to account for that somehow. It's, it's, it's tricky, but yeah. you know, it's... Yeah. You know, I, I see what you're doing. Thing. What was is your there, other one on that? Uh, the other one, my, I mean, my other thought is, is there any thought of like a soft cap sort of thing like yeah. the NBA sort of has where you just kind of certain... No on that, but that. I agree that it should. Um, and I think that most agents would as well. Um, on your first point, it's really fascinating because, um, you know, I, 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 di I had dinner in Vegas with with uh, somebody very, very, very high up in the NHL, and we started talking about LTI. And he basically said, what would you do? And honestly, I had no good answers. You know, he's like, but the league... my answer. I think if you take what the prorated salary would be yep. of your roster in the playoffs, it has to be yep. underneath the cap That's, of the season. And I will say that is what the league is very... Uh, is very much looking at is yeah. that essentially there will be a cap in the playoffs. Or something. Yeah, that, that give it a little bit more. You could, but, but I, I don't even think you need to do that. Yeah. Whatever you go out and acquire, that's fine, but yeah. it has to leave you under the cap. I'd even take it to the next step because I'd get rid of at least a chunk of what they allow for this the roster retention, the cap retention stuff. Mm -hmm. That I I think that defeats the purpose of the cap. So you got, Minnesota took advantage of it this year and bought draft picks with that capital. But I just think, why do that? Why allow teams to just say, yeah, we, 
we're so terrible that we'll just take on and allow you to be five million over the cap because we'll take five million of your guy's salary that we just traded you. I, I totally agree with you. Like to me, it defeats the purpose of everything. Like like if if you're gonna allow that, why don't you just save everybody trouble and allow restructuring of contracts? Like why are you allowing essentially teams to launder money? Um, you know, the Wild, you know, did that geniusly in the playoffs and, and as as you know, I mean <laughs> For the rest of time, Ryan O'Reilly and Dmitry Orlov will be Minnesota Wild players for about a minute. Um, and, the, and the other thing it became a problem with is that there's really no rule in the thing. Like, theoretically, if the Wild had said on their second trade call, uh, you know what, we're, we, you know, they acquired Ryan O'Reilly for a fourth-round pick. You know what, we're going to keep him? There really was nothing preventing anybody from saying, no, he's not going to, like, like – and Aside so they, they're going to have to work on a lot ever. of that <laughs> language uh, there. I mean, obviously, it's never going to happen, but it would have been a genius move. The Wild had the cap space. Um, they certainly could have afforded them. Um, so it was just like, it was just like, it was, I don't know, it was a fascinating type of, of uh, you know, mechanism there. But to the point on LTI, it's become, as, as fans have said to me on Twitter, which is a great way of putting it, it's become the new NHL cheat code. Teams are taking advantage of this. I'm not saying that necessarily Vegas did. Like, Mark Stone was hurt. Um, he had an actual back surgery. It happened in January. You know, uh, to expect him that he was going to be back in a month or a month and a half, I don't know the right. exact time. He timeline. was hurt, but they couldn't have even made the Eichel trade last year. If yes. they weren't, they knew when they made that trade that one or the other had to be on long-term IR. Right. From that point last year, they couldn't yep. have even made the deal. Yeah, and, um, and, and you're right. I mean, to me, the Kucherov one was just a bunch of BS. I right. mean, that one was totally, that was a cheat. And um, and and it 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 shouldn't have been allowed. But um, the, the 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 I will say I know that the league at least at a minimum like looked at the Stone deal and made sure that like they they were making sure that that was all on the uh, all kosher. Um, but um, but it is. I mean, and, and and I guess it's very sensitive for Wild fans because they're the only team that never seems to take advantage of it, right? It's like you know, it's like if this was other teams, sometimes you just like it feels like other teams. You go up to Zach Parise and it's like, hey. You know you're back. It's career ending. You know, yeah. there you go, Brandon. Um, you know, and and there's no doubt that teams do that, right? I mean, like even the, like you know, you say to Alex Gallas, yeah, no, you know, hey. I think your shoulder hurts more than you think it does. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and by the way, if you let us off the hook for that two million, you know, here's a job for ten years. Um, so I mean, that's the type of stuff that that I think ticks ticks other teams off, and it is becoming a contentious issue with other teams that aren't getting to take advantage of it, it until crazy. they need to take I advantage. I asked Billy Guerin about it after the yep. GM's meetings, and I said, why aren't there more guys upset about this? He said, you know what? He said, somebody brought it up, and nobody really cared about it. Yeah, it's true. Because I think deep down, the ones that are pissed know that if that ever happens to them, they're going to want it. And that's sometimes the way it works. Uh, it's, 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 I don't know. It's fascinating. Um, you know, the Parisi-Suter stuff have come up a lot lately because obviously, you know, Suter looks like uh, he, you know... <laughs> Uh, I mean, it doesn't look like they're buying him out in Dallas, but he certainly didn't have a good postseason, except for against Minnesota, where he was suddenly, uh, like, lights out. Um, and then, uh, you know, Zach has not made – I don't know if he's made a decision yet on his future. I don't know why he would retire with 21 goals. But after the season, he did say he, to go, he has to go back to his team, um, to, to his family, and talk to them and see if he wants to continue playing. I assume that he'll continue. Um, but I don't know that. Um, but – it's a big topic lately because I think a lot of people are looking at the Eichel trade and say, well, well, if they had just made that trade with the Islanders, they could have made that Eichel trade. Um, I don't think they actually could have because the one guy that needed to go in that trade probably uh, to make it work because they wanted a player that was, was high octane was Fiala. And the way that I understand it from my Buffalo sources is that they had no interest in Fiala because he had one year left on his deal and wasn't going to resign there. So I don't think there's anything the wild could have done to actually massage that and get in on that. Um, but, I do think that uh, what, what was a tough move at the time for Bill Guerin is that it once you, and we just saw with Oliver Ekman Larson with Arizona, is that once he got bought out by Vancouver, Arizona got dinged because he was one of those contracts. And so if all of a sudden, right now, it does, it, like a couple of years ago, it looked like Zach was falling off a cliff. If Ryan Suter was right now, do you think if they had traded Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi that Bill Guerin would be freaking out right now? Because he would have, be at an 83 and a half cap, and if all of a sudden both of them retired, they would have cap recapture penalties up the you know what, and they'd have to immediately react by trading this guy and that guy and this guy, and couldn't and would have to to become cap compliant, which is why they made the painful decisions to just cut cut them loose, 
and at least they know for cost certainty purposes what their cap hit will be over the eight years that it was going to be extended for. Um, because remember, even though the cap goes down in two years from 14.7, they are going to have a cap hit until probably I'm dead on yeah. both those guys. So, um, you know, minor, like 833 a person yeah, or something. It's like 1.6. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that was great restraint shown by you to not swear a second time. I know. Um, there's no children here, though, so. I know, but um, in the history of our show, Brandon's never had to go back and edit out anything I've said. Yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I do one more? Yeah. yeah. All right. I mean, kind of in the similar vein, just talking about buyouts and, and cap and all that sort of stuff, and, and not to sound pessimistic about it, but when you talk about how you know, teams who are winning it are $15 million over the cap in the playoffs, <laughs> and we are $15 million under the cap. Yeah, there's a little difference And there's there. a $30 million, like, right. it's ridiculous. is it over the next two years... I mean, is it, I, they're not going to, and they've talked about they don't have the stomach for it, but would it be the worst thing in the world to say, you know, we're going to give our prospects a chance, we're going to restructure, we're going to see what our lineup looks like in that 25-26 yeah. season once we get, like, you're off and who's the Yeah, the, the problem guys. with that is that you have guys that are, like, you know, to do that, to do a rebuild, you'd have to trade guys like Brodeen and Spurgeon and, and even, like, you know, they just took Boldy in seven years, but, uh, you know, I'm not saying Caprice up, but... You have guys that are probably not willing to leave here, or and that core is too good yeah. to tank. Yeah, they might miss the playoffs, but they're not going to be Chicago. They yeah. don't have to tank. You just maybe oh, we only need. Two you're years, just saying. You're you just know? saying like, like you know, just play more like prospects. Anyone that stop not, bringing back the Ryan Reeves of the world and you know, and um, I mean, as yeah. many as shrewd moves yeah. as he's made, you're you're I, losing. I don't disagree or, with you. I think part of the thing is that Bill Guerin wants to win. And that definitely the owner wants to win. The, if the owner was willing to stomach rebound Craig Leopold, we, you know, we would have seen that years ago. Um, but, but he wants to win. And, and so you're right. There might be smarter ways to build this from the studs up. But, you know, I don't think right now over the next two years they're going to be in a position where they could just play a bunch of prospects. Like, these prospects still need to grow. Like, you can't – it do, makes no sense to just bring guys over. that are being held down. Yeah, like that's the one thing. They might have, like, they might have a Marco Rossi has to play the freaking fourth line when he probably should be playing the first or second. To your point, mm -hmm. um, but it's not like a bunch of guys are in Iowa right now that we could that they could just throw in this lineup and you're just like, like you don't want Kyle Masters is hurt right now, but you don't want Kyle Masters and Carson Lambos and all these guys to take their lumps at the NHL level. That is what AHL is for. Like you know, maybe who's not DNF when he comes over because he's been in at that point in the KHL for two hundred some odd games. He could be ready to step in right away, not this season, but the next season. But Ogren and Uroff are going to, you know, you want them to play in the Myers. You don't want Wallstedt to come up here and give five, six goals a game. It's not like Wallstedt lit up the AHL last year. So, so like, I don't think it's, you know, like, you know, yeah, yeah, Beckman, Walker. Yeah, of course you can throw them on the team. But I don't, uh, to Anthony's point, I don't think that. It's not like we're holding down guys that are NHL all-stars a couple of years down the road if they just had a chance yeah. to play. To me, this isn't like, you know, when, what you, to your, to another, to your point, what it could, you could correlate it to is five, six, seven years ago when the Zuckers and the Niederreiters and the Granlins and the Coils couldn't get elevated into lineup or top. Yeah, because they were blocked out by a lot of those guys. You know, this is, to me, a different story. Now, would I have liked to, like, I, I, the one thing I just don't, agree with the organization about Marco Ross Grossi is somebody that we assume is going to be part of the future for a long time. And I get not wanting to put him in over his head, but like at some point you got to put him in a position to play and to put Sam Steele as your number one center in the playoffs when Erickson Eck and Hartman are hurt. Like if you have, you're out Erickson Eck and you have Hartman hurt and you can't even bring up your top prospect that is 20 some odd years old. I, I just think that was probably short-sighted by them. Now, they look at him more than me. They clearly thought he wasn't ready and all that stuff. But, but that's one where it's like, come on. You know, like, uh, and, th and that's to Billy's point at the end of the year, Presser. That's the difference between Dallas, who has no cap issues, and Minnesota, who did, is that they were able to put Tyler Sagan up there when... when um, right. Able to go out and get yeah, Nomi when and Pavelski out at the trade yeah. deadline. So yep. they had options. They were deeper. Yep. So, I don't know. Good talk. <laughs> Thank you. Hey. I wanted to tell everybody that it's summer and the weather has been great. Well, other, other than it feels like you're inhaling a chimney outside. Uh, but you know what that means. The summer selling is here. Be proactive and take action today, even if you're not right, quite ready to sell your home because you want to be better informed and ready to move forward when the time is right to sell your home. That's why I'm directing you over to Chris Sindel's Real Estate Guaranteed Cash Offers. They're amazing because the market is competitive 
and they are in the home buying business, so their offers need to be really, really strong. More people are moving again as interest rates have stabilized. Sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer from Chris Lindahl Real Estate. There are no showings, no decluttering, no repairs, and no stress. It's the easy way to sell your home. They keep you in control so you can sell your home fast. You can pick your closing date and move when it's convenient for you. To find out what your guaranteed offer should be, go to chrislindahl.com. There's no application, or you can call 763-401-SOLD. Again, chrislindahl.com or 763-401-SOLD. Close with confidence and start packing. Terms and conditions apply. And here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. Hey, hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. I can't wait to get into Twill at the Galleria and Edina and check out some of their new spring lines. I've been anxious to get back out on the golf course. I've had one round at a driving range, and that's it so far this year. And But I can't wait to get out there and check it out. They're more than just a suit store. They've also got great golf apparel if you're into that. And, of course, the their suits and ties are right up there with the best in town. So I can't wait to get back out on the course. And before I do that, I'm going to have to swing into Twill at the Galleria in Edina and check out their lines. You'll be properly outfitted. Even if your game isn't sharp, you'll look sharp. I'll talk to Anthony about his golf game, and that will get somebody to come up. How is your golf game right now? Uh, up and down. Have you golfed with the head coach lately? Actually, no. He's, he's yeah, well, I, he was organizing a tournament last weekend to play 36 holes Friday and Saturday. I could only wow. play the Friday part because I had twins duty Saturday, but he was in town for it and still ran it even though he couldn't play. Um, Why so do twins was, suck? They, I know they've won a couple in a row here, but what is the deal with them? Can't score. You can't score any runs. But no, so uh, in fact, uh, Dean's uh, Dean's son and a bunch of his buddies were in town. I played, oh, yeah? so I played golf with those guys last Friday. Missed the Saturday round due to work conflicts. So the game's good. I can't beat Ariana. Wow, really? Ariana's well, yeah. I mean, there's a handicap involved, but the bottom line is she's won the last two head-to-head matches. Wow. Does she take any flagrant fouls on the course? Or? She doesn't, but she she lets me hear about it. Yeah, good for her. Yep. I wonder where she got that humility from. <laughs> I don't know. I don't she, know. I know she got the competitiveness from. She certainly didn't get that from Margot, who yeah. says, why do we even keep score? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, uh, I get the impression that, uh, that uh, you've been golfing a lot more than normal lately. Yeah, I don't know. Where'd you get that impression? I don't know. Your social media, where you know, it seems to be run it's by. It's worked out pretty well for me this summer. I've been lucky, and part of it is playing with the with the coaching staff. He's got a great. He sets all this up, and then if he texts, I'm certainly not going to say no. So I've been playing with those guys a couple days a week at least, and then a few days on my own. So it's yeah, it's been working well. Twins games at night. Don't have to travel, so I can play golf in the morning. How about a rise this year? Yeah, it's. That went five for five last week. Yeah, that's his third five-hit game in a month. It's happened three times. And the other three guys, we were just talking about this at Billy Rob's thing. One of them was Dave Winfield. One of them was Ted Williams, I think. They were all Hall of Famers. I know Winfield was Mm -hmm. the last one. But it's only only three guys. Somebody probably already read the same stat I did. But it was the other night, he went two for five in a game, and his average didn't go up. Yeah, so I was just going to say it. So I, I went to a game during the Stanley Cup final, and he was at, like, I, it, it wasn't the game I was at, but it was the same exact thing. Like, I guess two hits, and it was, he stayed the next day. At like, I think he was at, he was at 399, then he had a couple hits, went up to like 400, and he stayed there. It's, I mean, the consistency is, is yeah, remarkable. He's, he's, a, I mean, he's a great hitter. He's a yeah. great average hitter. And the Twins didn't value batting average. They value yeah. power more, and with power comes a lot of strikeouts. Yeah. And so they're... 
if they hit two three-run homers, they have a chance to win the game. And if they only hit one, it's going to be tough. Yeah. By the way, I just thought about a joke that I put in my mailbag. We were talking about the Eichel deal, and I was I kind of repeated what I said there about how it's good to see your attention yeah, span. Has so, I don't know. It's just the the Eichel deal, and we were talking about how like they didn't want Fiala, and I said, you know, it's just it's too bad they didn't have a player like Tuck the Wild. You know, like uh, just they needed that type of player. Yeah. So wasn't that you know, funny? I joke? listened all the way to the end of the sentence. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a funny joke. The fact that they couldn't get Jack Eichel because they didn't have Alex Tuck. I mean, that's, that's, it's like the, the expansion draft disaster that was the Minnesota Wild just keeps on just freaking per, like, well, but just continues. Of, do you think Columbus and Florida feel any better no, about No, it? I know. Florida Anaheim just got beat by them. Like, I know. They were one of the three yeah. teams that got, well, four. It was Anaheim, Minnesota, Columbus, yeah. and Florida that really got bamboozled in that draft. Did you agree? So I picked, uh, so my con Smythe vote, there were 18 of us. I picked Marcia So, Eichel, and Hill. Um, do you agree with that? Uh, you know, I actually, the, and I, Hill I thought was a little bit of a, I wouldn't have put Hill in there. Mm-hmm. But I really thought William Carlson yeah. was, I thought he was their best player from start to finish in the playoffs, mm-hmm. not in the final. In the final, Marcia So and Eichel were, were more visible. And so you kind of knew that was the way the vote was going to go. But for me, it would have been William Carlson, and I would have voted Matthew Kachuk in the top three. Mm-hmm. I thought without Matthew Kachuk, Florida isn't in the yeah. second round. Yeah, I, 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 I hear you. But um, the, the, the Carlson's though, like, one's interesting because even when he wasn't scoring, and you're right, he was like scoring for a while every night, had nine goals, but uh, – yeah, when Edmonton is doing everything they could right. to get Drysdale in, yeah, Fulham. I know it's crazy. It's and, like the Jonas Brodie. He was Bernina. that way throughout the whole playoffs. Yeah, he was playing against the best, and you know what? It did make me think though, because I was asked the same question about who would your vote have been, and and I said Kachuk would have been one of them. It's weird that it never has happened. That the, the losing that uh, the trophy went to anybody other than somebody from the champion. It's happened right. in other sports. Yeah, is that a hundred percent? I thought it was like Hextall one year or something. I don't. Oh, yeah, Jaguar. And, but yeah. It, so it's, when was that? 2003. Three. So yep. 20 years since we've had a guy. Yep. Again, the Minnesota decided, Wild created right. that. But 20 <laughs> years since you've had a guy that wasn't the best player yeah. in the. Yeah, no, it's uh, a rarity. Wasn't on the winning team yeah, that it's was a rarity. the best player. Um, it's like, you know, it's like people get upset that, like, most times goalies aren't the heart winner. It's, you know, it's like who's most valuable. I, I get it. I, I, I don't disagree with you. Yeah, they, I, say I, the, they, yeah. they shouldn't win the yeah, yeah. because they I think, have the Vezna as, yeah. as their own. I think with um with uh, like I think with Marsha, so what what struck me is just his huge goals for Vegas throughout. Like he went the first seven games without a goal, but then it was just like it was just. I mean, he had thirteen goals in like a twelve game stretch right. at some point. And, and Stone had big goals for him. Yeah, Stone had big goals for him. Um, and the he, more I watched them, the more I like Mark yeah. Stone. Holy cow! Yeah. he's a he's yeah. just a tremendous leader, tremendous yeah. player at both ends of the rink. Yeah. I've always liked him, but I've liked him more and more the more I've watched He's also him. gigantic. Like, you know, the, the cool part of the Stanley Cup final is as media, you get to walk on the ice uh, to interview them. You don't go in the locker rooms anymore, which I was happy about because I remember in, in 98, I was in the Washington Capitals arena in the visiting locker room trying to interview Detroit Red Wings players in there. Oh, my God. One, I got soaked, but two, it was just you couldn't breathe in there. It was actually scary. Um but so you go on the ice, and so you're actually—I mean—you're interviewing these guys while they're wearing skates, and I'm not exactly uh, tall to begin with. But it's like you're interview—I was interviewing Stone, and it was like this. He is a big man and wide, like just a just a, you know, be nice to. You could end up in the emergency room having to hold your arm up like that for that long. Dude, I cut my finger open a, like a month ago. It was bad. I'm aware. You, sent, you showed me the picture. I know. Of blood on a little yeah. dab and of blood And as usual, you were just totally unsympathetic. <laughs> um, all right, more questions? Because otherwise, we're going to wrap up the show in a couple minutes. All right. We'll have to see if you can survive the This is what we call like to, stretch. All the way to Sicily. Yeah. How, many, how many shows have we done, Brandon? Yeah, so 380 shows ago, I would have been sweating my ass off the last 20 minutes trying to make this. I'd uh, be sweating my ass off right now if I was wearing your sweatshirt. (laughs) I was just curious why Billy has such a fascination with re-signing Reeves. Okay, end of the show. No, I'm just kidding. Nothing against Reeves, but he didn't really show a lot in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Um, A couple years ago, I remember him cross-checking Suter's face into the crossbar. Yep. Uh, we didn't really see a lot of that in the playoffs yeah. this year, and Suter, you know, kind of did whatever he wanted to. Totally agree. Star. Yeah. Um, 
like I said, he's 36. You know, I know he's an energy guy in the locker room, but, you know, he didn't hurt us during the regular season, but I didn't really, he didn't make a difference. Yeah, um, I, you know, the last thing you said is what I think with Billy would be the one that he would, that he would, you know, probably, um, uh, you know, regarding the energy, he would probably argue, uh, argue with you with. Like, I, I think that he is very concerned losing Matt Dumba and what that does to the locker room in terms of an energy standpoint and things like that. But, you know, can Ryan Reeves even at 37 maybe play every night? And, and uh, so I, I, I don't agree with you. I think that's partly, partly why they haven't signed him yet. I think in Billy's mind, I, think they're in a, I do think they're in a holding pattern until they get, get Gus done, which we haven't really talked a lot about Gus on here. Um, but right now they are in a holding pattern, um, and we could talk more about that in a second. Um, so they, they, they don't want to do something where they overpay for somebody and then it kills them on the back end. But with Reeves in particular, like what concerned me about him at the end of the year presser is when he actually said that, uh, you know, I'm 36 and I'm trying to scratch out every dollar exactly. for the rest of my That would be like the biggest red flag for me ever yes. as a GM. He yeah. made that comment yeah. publicly. Like, I'm yeah. trying to squeeze every nickel I can out yeah. of my last contract. And I, I, and I, like, yeah. And I don't feel like, like I, I love Ryan, but I, I don't feel at his age that he is the enforcer that he used to be. It's not, not just because players don't want to fight him. He's not going out looking at it. You know, there was, I told you about the play in Carolina when Duham got hit from behind and he was on the ice and, and he didn't yeah. respond. And that would be my concern at his age. Is he I, just I trying agree. to get that last contract before he goes to TV or something? Yes. And you he's know? 36 and nothing wrong with age. Yep. I don't he's just, not, he's not that yep. hungry. I, th I think that, you know, he wants probably multiple years, one last contract and probably significant dollars. The Wild have a one year deal, probably offer a certain amount of money. Um, maybe are willing to give him 35 year old bonuses on a one year deal. Um, but I think that's why it's not done right now. I haven't talked to his agent yet, so I am talking totally conjecture. Um, but the only thing I'd say is when they got him, they, they went needed, on a tear. They needed something. Yep. But I couldn't agree more with as you went down the stretch of the season. It, I think there's other things this team needs more 100%. than that. I, I'm not. He can bring some value to maybe bring more value to a, another team, could bring some value at a small number to the Wild for sure. But when they've got him, they needed swagger. They didn't have it. They got it and started playing better. And he was widely respected inside the room. And, and, but I, I am with you from the standpoint because, and I, again, I think everybody knows how much I like Reeves. And I really actually I, I like was excited too. about the deal when it happened. We talked about it on the pod for a month before that I thought it was going to happen. But what, what, what I would do if I were Bill, to your point, is like to me, like save that spot for a young kid. Let's see what an Adam Beckman can do. Yeah, he's not Ryan Reeves, but let's see what a, a Sammy Walker can do. Yep. Somebody like that. And then we, we, we sh he showed it last year with Delorier, and he showed it this year with Reeves. If he feels midseason or something that they are just not tough enough, somebody it. is going to be out there. Maybe even Ryan Reeves. Yes. Like so, like go and it just it's not expensive to go get him. Correct. So like that's what I would do if I was GM. But I, but you know, obviously Bill has a big time respect level for this player um you know uh that that obviously is the reason why he wants to bring him back so sure thanks yeah, yeah I, I don't disagree i think it's a good thing just real quick on gus uh and and uh you're more than welcome to come up uh so gus uh, right now um it's crickets with him the way i understand it i don't think they feel like there's any timetable they got to get it on by the draft or things like that um, it's an interesting quandary because the, the like they'd love to do a three-year deal, but you're buying out one year of his UFA rights, so that just ups the cost right there. But you can't do two years because you don't want to bring him right to UFA. So I just I feel like we're I mean I've been wrong on term many times, but I, it feels like we're looking at a one-year deal, whether it's signed or you elect arbitration and try to work out the deal after that. So we'll see how that changes. Right now, nothing's going on. Mikhail, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice shirt. <laughs> Thanks. So. Um, well, on the topic of Gus, I was curious, what do you think will happen if we don't sign him? Would they go off and get another goalie? Yeah. Because I don't, Fleury's not going to be able, Wallstead's not ready to come up. Yeah. Who do you think that would be? It's a good question because everything's based on timing. Like I, That's part of our mailbag tomorrow, or in, I think it's running Saturday. Actually, it's, it is going to run tomorrow. Uh, just because of the assistant coaching thing that I just worried about holding it off uh, in case it happens the next day or so. Um, but um, like the, the problem is, is that, so like obviously they can't afford these guys, but th there's a lot of goalies on the market. You know, you have Hullerbuck, Hart, 
uh, John Gibson, Blackwood that could be traded, but then you got a ton of free agents, like, and which is what makes you gives you comfort that you're gonna be able to replace him if you have to go spend money. The problem is, is that once you get past free agency, those there's gonna be guys that are just signing, and then you're gonna be left with potentially, a, you know, not a great goalie. Well, so. that's why I think it's. I'm surprised they haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. And because I, I would have guessed they wanted to know that. What the, what's the option? I think that there's veterans out there they could afford, get them on a year deal, hope that Wallstead's ready the next mm -hmm. year. But I don't know who those guys would be. I don't know which specific guys they've targeted, but there's a whole bunch of them out there that I think could be had at a, probably a smaller deal than you'd have to pay Gus. Yeah. Um, like Jerry and... Uh, Aiden Hill. I mean, like, it's just there's a lot of goalies, only so many chairs. So maybe Vegas that's what has, they're banking. Vegas has six of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, honestly, maybe Brossois is the wild goalie next year. Who knows? I think they're going to get Gus done. The thing that, like, at some point, and again, I like Kurt Over. He's working for his client. This is a weird case because he knows that Wallstead's coming. So he's trying to maximize the term and money for his client, thinking that he might not be part of the long term future. Totally understand that. But at some point, Bill might have to just call Gus up and say, look, because Gus doesn't want to leave. Um, and so, you know, call up Gus, congratulate him for his baby and under that guise and be like, oh, and by the way, uh, here's the deal, dude. 3.4 and that's it. So I don't know. Um, we'll see. Uh, it's going to be interesting. It's getting more expensive, though. It just doesn't feel like this one's going to come in at like, whoa. Like, I never thought he got th he'd get 3-9 or something. It just feels like, I don't know. Um, and a lot of it's depending on what they know that his R value is going to be. Like, if they have a pretty good indication of what that number is, it's going to come in over that. And, and I was shocked when I talked to sources that, he, that right now his R number could be in the three and a half. So, I mean, it just blew me away. All right, last question of the show. Anthony's got to get to the golf course. Second longest day of the year. <laughs> So this is actually a question I got from a friend who couldn't make it, and I don't know exactly what he meant, but he said, what is the ideal draft for keeping the team's farm system primed for future competition and trade bait? Um, I mean, just getting good players. Uh, you know, just, yeah, I don't know what he means either. But <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just, you know, just adding to the pipeline, if that's what you mean. You know, uh I do think it was interesting that Judd, did you listen to Judd's? Well, I didn't go on there uh, because I was working on another story and I had him on my podcast, the other podcast the yeah, day before. So I thought one of the things that was interesting is he specifically said that they were looking for, and he said, mentioned the center position. A lot of yeah. times you'll just hear those guys yeah. say, we're just taking the highest rated player. We yeah. want the best player on the board no matter what position. Yeah. But he actually came out and said, yeah. there's no secret we're, we're targeting centers. Yeah. So it, which was a little surprising. Yeah. If you didn't hear that podcast Joe and I did with uh, with uh, with Judd the other day, uh, listen, he was actually really good. I asked him point blank if he has second thoughts about, uh, you know, when you see Perfetti and Jarvis and Lundell succeeding, and he was real good on that. Because, I mean, look, he's a human being. He sees also the uh, the potential second guessing, and, and, you know, it's his pick. So I'm sure there's parts of him that's just, you know, anxious about Rossi showing him what he – uh, whatever, showing everybody what they could do. And I thought Joe Smith did, wrote a really good Rossi story yesterday where he talked in there. He pointed out Martin St. Louis' AHL numbers were eerily similar in the AHL to Marco Rossi's. And they almost had the exact same points, like one goal, one assist for St. Louis in his first 20-something NHL games before Calgary gave up on him, and one assist for Rossi. And the point that he was trying to make was be careful giving up on the guy. Yeah. Like, you think Calgary doesn't freaking regret that? I mean, my God. They just threw him on waivers. Though, too, yeah, he was undrafted. He was waivers. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, this so is a first a little round, different. A little, little different. Round pick. But it but, is just fascinating. It's an interesting thing with, with player development in every sport is you, when it's the guy you drafted, the guy mm -hmm. you targeted, the guy in whom you saw something, it's hard to pull the trigger and give up. Yeah. Harder than when you just come in and say, well, I can look at this guy objectively and say... But this is a guy that, that you've talked to, you've got to know, you have believed in him. It's hard to give up on those guys. And that's one of the challenges just, yeah. is being a scouting director and a GM is being able to objectively look at a guy that you always valued and say, it isn't going to work. They got to put him. The, the one thing, though, that I've got to say is they, if he's going to make the team out of camp, they have to put him in a, a, some sort of better position to succeed. And like, you just cannot expect him to score on the fourth line. 
And and I don't know where that's coming from because he wants obviously he has Hartman and penciled in as number one center, and he's got Erickson Eck as number two or however you want to label it, and Goudreau is three. So where is it? Somebody's gonna have to go to the wing. And you know, it's like I was listening to Peter Laviolette the other day, and Laviolette's like, you know, we gotta figure out a way to get Lafreniere and Heidel and Heidel and, and um Heidel, I should say, and uh and Kako more ice time. And I wanna be like, yeah. But how do you do that in the expense of Zibanejad and Kreider and Panarin and, you know, and they're going out and adding Patrick Kane at the deadline and Tarasenko at the deadline. They're acquiring guys like Trocek. Like at some point, these GMs, they have to say, well, how do you want Lafreniere and Kako to get his, get, become the players that you want them to be if you're always blocking them out with those players? And it's the same thing here. It's like if Marco Rossi, again, is going to be on the fourth line because Freddie Goudreau got a, a, a five-year extension and everything, it's just an injustice to Rossi. And then if that's the case, you're going to have to move him at some point. So it is, it's Goudreau important. could still bring value as a fourth-line center because right. he's a guy but that could the, move but up from But you have a coach that will not put him there. Right. But he, unless he he's made may. to. And he may yeah. Yeah. because if you say, all right, you're a fourth-line center, but you're occasionally going to get third-line mm-hmm. wing shifts. You're going to be on the penalty kill. You're a guy we're going to lean on for face-offs. Yeah. And, and, and all of a sudden you're a fourth-line center, but you're playing 14 minutes a night. Yeah. That, that might be the way that works. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting. Uh, there's no doubt, um, and we'll see. Uh, you know, I'd love to be in that conversation if if, uh, if Bill Guerin's like, you got to give this guy a top three role, and <laughs> the expense of that is Freddie Goudreau at fourth line center. I'd love to see that last. Um, I don't. I just don't. Uh, you know, call me a cynic. I just don't buy it. Um, thanks everybody for joining. Uh, thanks for joining us at the Aquarius Home Services Studio here at Elsie's. Remember, uh, July 30th, uh, June 30th, we will be up at Split Rocks uh, in, in Wyoming. Awesome room as well. So hopefully everybody listening or everybody here comes up up in there. And then July 6th, we'll be back here at Elsie's. Joe Smith and I will be co-hosting Worst East in the House. And we plan to have uh, three or four guests from that uh, crazy game of hockey that's going on on the 7th and 8th. And again, they're going to be really quality guests and we'll be promoting that on social media. Thanks to our sponsors, Aquarius Home Services, your installers of Connecticut Water Treatment Systems, Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, Moe's Tavern, Royal Credit Union, Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, who uh, Anthony ran into Jerry the other day, and uh, Twill in the Adina Galleria. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never going to win. Oh, but the 